Rocio, and I am first-generation Dominican. Hi, I'm Mercedes, and I was born in Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. And we are Amplifying the Afro in Afro-Dominican. Hey, Rocio. Hey, Mercedes. How are you? You know, I'm doing pretty good today. How yeah? are you? I'm good. Um, so this whole self-tape world. Yeah. During COVID. Oh my God, listeners, just so you know, Mercedes and I are both actors and we trying to get out here during COVID times, right, Mercedes? Yeah, we trying to be out in the streets. In these streets in our house. Yeah. (laughs) In our living room. In our living room. Um, but I just think about how creative, like, we have to be now with this whole self-tape world because, you know, guys, usually we audition in person, right? But because of the whole COVID thing, there's so much more self-tape going on. And, I mean, that's a whole project in and of itself. Yeah, and it's funny because the timing is really crazy like literally especially with tv you'll get a call 12 hours before you have to submit it so yeah. you have to kind of hustle to get somebody either to come over get on zoom or we audition or just some some type of platform or way to get you gotta you know you want to prepare you want to read it you want to like you don't need to memorize it but you want to be familiar with it and then it's like, do I have good lighting? Do I have a yeah. background? Do, do I have to put on makeup now? It's just, she's a mission. You know? Yeah. And let me tell you, I'm sure Diva Lights, they made money over Yo, COVID. for real. Okay. The blue screens, <laughs> they made money because yeah. you're trying to make sure you look cute, you yeah. know, on tape with the lighting. And let me tell you, um, my block is lit. Try doing a self-tape in the middle of a band playing. Yeah. Or, <laughs> you know, is Zumba is going on at like 10 o'clock in the morning. Straight up Zumba. Yeah. You know? And you're trying to do a self-tape. There was like literally a rock band when we were recording an episode. Remember that yeah. like crazy rock band? And we were like, is this going to be recorded on this? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. It's yeah, been really fun. Me. And then like more voiceover stuff too. So. Yeah. But, you know, I will say I'm very grateful that we have been auditioning, though, because both of us have gotten pretty decent auditions. Yeah. And you know what? Because of COVID, this is why we got this podcast, because we were like, OK, yeah, we need some. Um, I'm bored. And um, <laughs> yeah, I'm bored. And I think that COVID makes you really be there's a part of COVID that kind of brings out your creativity in a weird way. You know, a very unconventional yeah, way. Very unconventional. Um, because you're sitting there and you're just not doing anything. If you are home, let's say if you had that time to be home. And then you just start being creative. Like you just start thinking about things or or not. Well, yeah. it's just like, it's one of those things where, you know, aside from acting, how I make most of my money is be to fight an intimacy director. So I choreograph these fight scenes and I make sure there's safety within sexual situations in you know theater and sometimes film and it's like my whole industry like how my main resource of money and working was gone and it was also very physical i was up and wow. around so much and then suddenly sitting in my apartment all day in front of a computer or tv yeah i needed to 
figure out what to do. Yeah. You know, like I was basically going insane. And, you know, I was one of those people who got really depressed. Like I got really motivated at the beginning. I was like, I'm going to work out every day and, you know, I'm going to do this every day. And I had like this schedule. And by week two, I was just like waking up drinking wine and watching Netflix because I was so depressed because my whole career was in shambles yeah like I took I think I took an online accounting class for entertainment companies which I don't I don't know what to do with that certification but I don't even like accounting but I was thinking like other things I can do and I started signing up to a bunch of like there were so many online classes going on did yeah, you see oh, that? yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I, that Coursera. I oh my up god. For this Coursera yeah. course. Yeah, I did too. I, I just took the first like. Oh my god. <laughs> then we started getting alerts like crazy. Oh my god, you're behind. You're yeah. already behind on you know schedule. I was like, okay, I can't, I can't. Oh no, I got like a app to play guitar. I got an app, you know, a workout app. I got a dance app. I got you know that Coursera thing yeah. of well-being and then I took a, another course oh and then I took this hypnotism course that oh. I didn't finish either yeah. yeah I was signing up to all the free trials for like the yogas me going too. on me too I was but saying. then I would forget to cancel and I'm like oh my god I have to, I have to use it by I have to do yoga tonight like no I was the free trial queen too like yeah. I put alerts on my phone to remember to cancel shit like yeah. whenever I would sign up I would immediately put it up my phone like let me tell shit. you canceling subscriptions is serious like serious. guys really make sure right now get your phones yeah. go on Apple and do it and two make days sure. do it two days before now yes because you will forget if you do it on the day and some places I'm not gonna mention which one <laughs> there is one that they legit just charge you for the whole year yeah the whole fucking year yeah. and it's like now I got this subscription this class for that you have for the whole year. Yeah. That's what happened with my guitar app. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I felt stupid. But listeners, we have a super amazing, dope guest this week. I mean, we will always have amazing dope guests, but he's particularly amazing, this dude. Yes, he is. Yes. Okay, so audience, mm-hmm. we are so excited to introduce you to our guest today, yes. Claudio Cabrera, mm-hmm. and he is a Dominican-American award-winning journalist, an audience development expert, and a commentator on colorism within the Spanish-speaking community in Latin America and, of course, the Caribbean. Yeah, and his journey in journalism began in 2006 for the country's oldest and most historic newspaper, you guys might have heard of it the New York Amsterdam News. Um, He won an award there. And for the last decade, he still writes. He moved actually into SEO, which I just learned means search engine optimization. And he's helped grow a lot of the biggest brands, um, such as Black Enterprise, CBS News, and now the New York Times. How dope is that? It's dope. Currently, he's focusing on a yet-to-be-titled book centering around colorism and race and his upbringing as a dark-skinned Dominican in the communities of Washington Heights and Inwood, New York City, represent. That's dope. And he also has taught and lectures in university, both domestically and in Latin America and Spain. Oh, my God. He's international. Yeah. So he's his writing is amazing. He writes about really deep, dope topics. Um, that are affecting our community. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're really excited to have him on. I'm so excited to, to hear from him and get to know him. Me too. All right, let's bring him on in. 
you so much for coming on this podcast and the show. It's brand new for us. And we're just really excited about exploring being Dominican and Black Dominicans, but from like a place of love and joy, but understanding that pain and hurt is going to come in Mm -hmm. as well. Because, you know, white supremacy, unfortunately. (laughs) But um, let's get let's get to jump into it. How how did you I've read a lot of your stuff, too, and I'm just curious how writing and journalism even fell on your lap. Um, to be honest with you, when I got to, when I was in high school and when I was in elementary school and all that other stuff, I just wanted to be a basketball player like most dudes that grew up in the hood. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to be a baseball player. I did at the beginning, but then like basketball took over. Right. Um, so when I got to, I was like a really, really good student growing up. Um, but then I got to high school and I just started like messing around. You can curse on this show or not? Yes, you um, can. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I just started fucking around when I got to high school a lot and, you know, playing sports and stuff like that. And it was just, I just didn't care. It was so funny because I got to like my senior year and um, you know how they tell you like your first three years of high school are the most important when yeah. you're applying to college and all that other stuff. Of course. Uh, what ended up happening was that I was just, you know, playing around so much and then in, my senior year, I was like applying to like Harvard and Duke mm-hmm. and all these like wild places, but like my <laughs> GPA was like one point something crazy, right? Yeah. And um, and then what ended up happening was that you know I had to make a decision. I wasn't getting into any of the colleges that I wanted to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, and my guidance counselor told me, you know, go to go to community college for a few years, and then just end up, you know, um, graduating from college with your four year degree after that, right? Or transferring over. And, um, you know, when I heard the word community college, I had like this stigma about it and I was like, I don't want to go there, whatever it may be. But to be quite frank with you, you know, community college is like the best thing that ever happened to me Um, just because I was able to reset and I was able to get a quality education at the same time. And then I was able to move on to like Brooklyn College after that and get my four year degree. Uh, But when I was in community college, I just started off like a business major. I had friends that were going there. And I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And then I was really doing well, like English and writing classes. And I was just like, I was just like, you know, I, I was really trying to get out of there to do the, do the two years and then transfer over. And then one of my teachers was like, like, hey, like you should join a school newspaper or something like you should stay busy doing that. And, you know, at that point, I was like, I know I don't want to be a business major. And if this person is telling me that I'm halfway decent at this, mm-hmm. then, you know, I might as well do it. Right. So I started joining the school paper. I started taking more writing courses journalism courses and it just kind of worked itself out that way and then when I went to college I started interning for a lot of like local newspapers like the Manhattan Times of town which is a bilingual newspaper mm-hmm. and then the Amsterdam, Amsterdam News which is a black newspaper in Harlem and I just really started writing and I didn't necessarily like writing from like a reporter standpoint like I, I wasn't thrilled about like going outside and talking to people all the time and mm-hmm. like yeah. trying to like extract all this information from them mm-hmm. um but, you know, it was kind of like the only thing I had at that point that I kind of believed in. And it kind of brought me all the way to this point. And, you know, when I started my career, I was sort of like editing and reporting still. Um, but I didn't want to do it full time. So I kind of do what I do now, which is SEO, um, because I've always kind of like really loved writing more so in a personal sense, as you know, you can tell. And, um, you know, I really got away from it um, within the like last five years and then This year, I just gave it a shot and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try to write on Instagram. I know it's like a visual platform, but I was like, maybe my stories will will work there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I write um, as well Mm -hmm. and I write plays Mm -hmm. and short stories and short films. So I really appreciate your writing. And I remember 
years back, one of the first pieces I wrote was a play called Belo Malo, right? And it was all about hair and just the shit that we go through. But it was so cathartic for me, you know, because I really Mm -hmm. was honest with myself. And I noticed that, you know, of course, when I'm honest with my writing, you know, the actors connect us even more. Do you feel like how cathartic was writing for you when you are touching on such delicate topics and issues? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I think like it's it's definitely... I think it's, you know, it's funny, like, I think I've gone through, like, the process of just kind of, like, going to therapy and really kind of real-time examining myself, mm-hmm. and, like, really, like, just growing as a person, right, that <clears throat> now when I write, I'm, I'm kind of writing from a place of, like, not that I'm, like, my, at my fullest point of growth, but that, like, I really, really, like, do love myself at this point, you know, I probably couldn't say that, like, four or five years ago, mm-hmm. yeah. Um. so when I write now, I think the cathartic part of it is more so, like, yeah, I get it out, but I think what I what I really what I really um, and I don't necessarily know if the word is enjoy, but what I really really appreciate is that there's people that will you know jump in my DMs and say like, hey, like this is my experience and like, or you made me view this a different way, <clears throat> because I think the point of a lot of what I write outside of just kind of like saying like, oh, like we can be racist sometimes as Dominicans, or we can have family members in our in our, in our families that could be colorist and a whole bunch of other stuff is really kind of like really taking a look at ourselves and how we kind of may project that in some way when we're growing up or when we get older right because you know sometimes you grow up and you're like you know yeah right so right away it's like you feel like you're different right so you kind of create like a separation between you and african-american or you and a person who may come from africa in general right and it's really kind of just like figuring out you know, how you may like hold those biases because of the biases that were put onto you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, for me, the writing has been just, um, you know, it's, it's been huge. Yeah. You know, and I really, something that stood out to me, what you were just saying is it's, it's reminding me of that long Instagram post of Sammy Sosa you put on. And yeah. when I read it, I thought it was come genuine place of like love and empathy of yeah. like, Hey, everybody has self-hatred at some point. And sometimes you Absolutely. want to change stuff about yourself. <laughs> and like yeah. sometimes you want it, you know, which I'm going to admit to you right now when that would, you know, when I saw that change in those news art- articles, I was like, oh my God, how could you do? Like, I totally oh, reacted yeah, that same. way. You know what I mean? Same, yeah. I was like, how could this motherfucker <laughs> fucking oh, change yeah. his complexion? <laughs> It was so, it was was like, I I was hurt. I'd be lying to you if like the first thing was like some like, oh, let me think about this in a very different way. No, when I first saw it, I was like, you know, this thing is crazy. If I I could say (laughs) that, you know, he's wilding, you know, he's wilding. Like I always knew he was like this, you know. (laughs) And then as as the years gone on, like you start kind of like examining your own movements. And I had like similar, I mean, I never, I never got to the point where I was like thinking of like bleaching skin or anything like that. But I have points where I was trying to whiten myself without whitening myself, whitening mm, yeah. myself, you know? Yeah, for um, sure. So I think at some point you start realizing, you know what, like I could, I could empathize with this figure. I may not agree with him, yeah, but it totally. doesn't mean that I can't understand like what he, what he may have potentially gone through, you know? Yeah. 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 I'm, yeah, totally. I'm a hundred percent there. I just, my journey of like, cause I also have done that too, whether it was like completely like speaking properly, as they said, you know, like I've got, I got that growing up, like you talk right or for a black person and, and kind of like secretly holding on to that Mm -hmm. to like 
be accepted, you know, in the Upper West Side yeah. when I went when I went to school, where majority of my friends were white. You know what I mean? Oh, right, and yeah. like straightening my hair and like really being into that when I was younger, and you know, you like mm-hmm. all the little things that wanted to disassociate me from my blackness and my yeah. my actual heritage. I fell for Absolutely. that shit too. I mean, I guess we all do, you know. <laughs> we all do. I mean, I think it's normal, you know. Yeah. We're all kids at some point, and we're all looking for some sort of acceptance. And I think when you know you kind of grow up hearing like negative things about blackness, or even making it your color becomes like the standout thing, or you become like an anomaly to your family members, like oh, do it moreno, pero do it sabe? Like you know, you, it's almost like you're looking for some sort of like acknowledgement or praise or like anything of the sorts that's kind of celebrating you as a person because you don't necessarily feel like you get enough of it or what you should get for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I love that now I see the changes now too. Like I see the younger, like my younger cousins, you know, Mm -hmm. are starting to embrace their hair, you know, are asking questions. You know, I see the, the movement changing a little bit, you know, and that gets me excited. And that's why I'm so happy that you're on here. You know, you look like you look like, you know, and, um, (laughs) We need that. We need to celebrate that, you know, and 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 bring change and bring the conversation out and speak the truth, which is what I love about what you do in your writing. Like, for instance, the one that you wrote about, of course, the Latinx one, you know, that was lit because it was like, okay, let's call it out. Let's call the spade a spade. You know, no one's talking about this. We all don't fit in this little bubble that everybody has created. Correct. And you yeah. were not afraid to say that. And I was like, you know what? Damn straight. <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> um, so how do you identify? Me? Yeah. Oh, Afro, Afro-Latino. Afro-Latino. And I, and I had a weird, <clears throat> excuse me, I had a weird relationship with that term at first. Because yeah. I, I'll be completely honest with you. Because at, at some point, I was like, you know, I identify as Latino, right? And the reason why I was why I was thinking that way was because I was like, people don't associate blackness with Latinidad. You know right. what I'm saying? They automatically like view it as like, you have to look this way, right? Um, so I always had like a weird thing about the word Afro-Latino or Afro-Latina, whatever it may be. Um, and then, um, you know, I just kind of really started thinking about it, talking to people about it and just kind of shifted my view on it and said, you know what, like, I'm African at the end of the day, like that's, uh, I'm, I'm a black person at the end of the day. And, right. you know, even if I think removing the Afro from it will somehow push a movement to include blackness and Latinidad, it's better for me to just have the Afro in front of the Latinidad because that's what it is, right? Right. And it's able to kind of really just, you know, highlight a group of people, a, a huge group of people um, that aren't being identified. And at the same time, it also signals to people that these are people of African descent, mm-hmm. you know, and what they may necessarily go through, whether you grow up in Washington Heights or you grow up in, you know, Cartagena. So um, it was a term that, you know, I was like weird about at the onset, probably like four or five years ago. And then like within the last two to three years, I've gotten way, way more comfortable. And that's what I, that's what I identify myself as for sure. There's a problem with Dominicans where Dominicans don't view Dominicanness as like, being an ethnicity, they view it as like a race or like a nationality. You know, it's like being Dominican is like, I'm Dominican. I'm like, but what's being Dominican? I'm Dominican. And it's like, no, well, tell me like, you know what I mean? What's what and what's what, you know what I mean? So it's fascinating to me because you'll have Dominicans that are as light as milk that will have a grandmother that looks just like me. 
Yeah. Right. But they, and they adore her. They adore her to death. Right. That's of course. The light of their life. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, they could be, you know, discriminatory and racist. Yeah. Towards black Americans, towards Haitians, towards black Dominicans, towards black anything. So it's just, it, it's, it's crazy. And it's interesting at, at, at how Dominicans kind of, kind of view blackness. Mm-hmm. Um, both from like a personal perspective, whether it's family or themselves, mm-hmm. but then at the same time, um, you know, how they kind of like pick and choose when they want to accept blackness. What do you think we can do to help change this narrative? Like, I love what you were saying about, you know, like going back to what we were saying about Sammy Sosa, right? It's like looking yeah. within, right? Looking at checking ourselves yeah, and making sure like, okay, let me check my biases. You know, but also, you know, what can we do to help change this narrative going on? I mean, it's slowly changing, but I feel like there still needs to be more to be done. I I think a lot of it, like a lot of people like simplifying it to just talk. Right. I think really, to be honest with you, the people that are going to and it's not to put pressure, but I think the people that are really going to push Dominicans forward on race, in my opinion, are women. And I say that because, and it's not to put everything on women, because women have enough already, but it's more so that women have so many different things that have to do with like race within them, right? Whether it's body type, whether it's hair, whether it's who they marry, who they don't marry, and this, that, and the other, or who they date, right? And I think, you know, there's there's silent symbols of um, a fighting against what Dominicans usually do, which is like, I'm going to wear my hair natural. Right. You know, yeah. My mom, my mom may want me to, may want me to get a Cusabon de or whatever it's called mm-hmm. every Saturday, but I'm not. And if I have a daughter, you know, it's going to be the same thing. She's not going to have it. If I have a son, it's going to be the same thing. She's not going to have it. And if you tell me not to, you know, to date, to date a Prieto, I don't care. I may bring one on. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think like, there's obviously things that occur in terms of like how you, how you just live your life that right. could be resistance in general to them, right? But I think at the end of the day, too, it's really talking to them. You know, I've been in situations where I've seen parents, not even, I don't even know if the word is maliciously, but more so uh, say things about like a kid that maybe the kid of their cousin or their daughter about like hair or skin color and may not even mean it in a malicious way, but if mm-hmm. you're able like to cut that off in that moment, mm-hmm. they yeah. will say it again. Yeah. You know, and you and you being able not it's not just saying like, hey, don't say that. It's mm-hmm. more so, hey, don't say that because of this. And if they don't want to hear your ass, they ain't gonna hear your ass. Right. right. But the one thing they won't do is say it again. Because the most important thing in that situation is making sure that they don't project any level of insecurity onto your son or your daughter or anyone else that may be in your life, right? So I think really it's going to be, it's going to come through really tough conversations with not just people that are older, because we like saying that it's older, but I'm, I'm sure, you know, you may have cousins that say crazy shit in DR. You may have mm-hmm. some cousins that say crazy shit here. I know I do, you know, and <laughs> yeah, it's having conversations sure. with them as well, you know? So it's a lot of times we talk about our parents and our grandparents and all that other stuff in the older generation, you know, but a lot of the times it's a lot of people that are our age that really kind of like, you know, really push this behavior, really keep this behavior going. Mm. So I think number one is really talking to them and educating them. And number two, I really think it's just acts of resistance that aren't done on purpose are done because this is what you, this is who you are and this mm-hmm. is what you want to do. And just by doing that, what ends up happening is you kind of start eradicating like, you know, the way that these individuals think. Right. Um, yeah. 
and 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 I think it's a lot of that. Um, yeah. Just kind of, and you know, and I think, and I think the last thing I'll say is that I think Dominicans are creatures of habit and really kind of want to stay in their habitat and just exposing them to different things. I know it may sound like really like simple, but I think taking them, taking them to different neighborhoods, taking them to different restaurants, yeah. taking them to places where they are not going to be the majority. And it's not Mangu and Sajichong right. being served, right? Like really kind of exposing them in a way to different cultures and different countries and different places uh, because all of that counts. But, but it's also understanding that these aren't people that at 60, 70, 50, or maybe even 20 are going to self-educate themselves. Sometimes you have to do the work for them. Um, and if you're willing to do the work for them um, and educate them and you see that they're willing to kind of listen, then you kind of, it, it may not be that you did your job, but you at least, you know, lit the fire in them to at least kind of, you know, view things differently in a sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what about, can you talk a little bit about um, how has your experience been? Because I work in corporate America as well, being a yeah, black yeah. Dominican in corporate America. <laughs> like, I'll tell you a quick story. Someone new sure. started at my job. And super light skin, blonde hair, and she's a uh, white lady or Dominican. Uh, she's Latina, and so she's Latina, she's Latina <laughs> and I noticed the last name right away. So you know, I'm trying to navigate to see is she Latina? Where she, where you know stands, yeah. <laughs> what's going on? So mm-hmm. yeah. within five minutes, I figured out she's Dominican. So I was like, oh, you're Dominican? I'm Dominican too. And she's like, oh, what part? Yo soy de Mocha. We started talking about Mocha. And all I saw was one of my confused coworkers looking at both of us like, y'all two are both Dominican? Mm-hmm. What? How? What? <laughs> How is that possible? How is that possible, right? And I'm like, do you experience you like that? Oh, me? Yeah. So it's funny. I was talking about this on a panel the other day. And, you know, it's interesting. Like, you'll... So when I'm in, I'm in a predominantly white organization, pretty di- diverse on some level, but like it's predominantly white, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's funny because like when like my first language is Spanish, and you know they're they're pre- pretty much everyone knows in that organization that I speak Spanish, right? Just off like some of the stuff that I do at the company, and mm-hmm. they um you know like we'll sit in like this well before the pandemic we'll sit in this big section right and they'll be like hey you know i need to find someone who speaks spanish and they'll just like walk right by me all the time despite like in their head knowing that like i speak spanish and it may not be purpose on purpose but it's it's the it's the ingrained idea of what a latino person looks like yeah, right exactly. similar to what you're just kind of saying right now mm-hmm. and i won't lie to you when that happens it used to really irk me before mm-hmm. uh but now i just be like yeah yeah i speak it like you know let me know if you, you need yeah. anything or whatever it may be and i think the interesting part about my situation is that i kind of i, I kind of i obviously for them they, they're kind of confused sometimes because they'll see me in the erg group meeting for black at nyt and then they'll see me at Latino at NYT, and they're like, I saw you like both of these, right? Is he just like on some like they're ally like, shit? And I'm like, nah, like, I'm on, you know, this is what I am. I'm both of them, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, my experience overall is like, you know, I won't lie to you, like, when, when people kind of bypass me on that level, I think it, it's, it's kind of whack for me, like, from an emotional standpoint. But I've started to get over that. But I do feel, um, I do feel like, you know, when we talk about like Latino representation at the company, um, you know, they don't necessarily think about it from like people checking the box Latino, but how the company looks visibly, right? Yeah. So they just don't identify me as such. So when you think of like, you know, you think of New York, New York is a pretty, you know, particular place. But when you step outside of New York and you, and you step outside of Miami or you step outside of Chicago, 
what white people think is Latino is Mexican. Yeah. Right. They barely yes. know what Puerto Rican yeah. is. They barely know what a Dominican is. Oh my gosh. They barely know what a, you know, maybe a Cuban, but you know, they, to them, every Latino looks alike and they have this indigenous Mexican look to them. That's how they view it. So when they see, you know, and Luis Miguel, they're, they're probably like, how the hell are you Mexican? Right. You know? It doesn't make sense to them. So I think for me in corporate America, like, you know, it's, it's, I think that's kind of like been the thing. And I think for the most part, like, I don't know if, if a company will ever feel completely comfortable with someone like me being their Latino face, like if that's what they wanted. Mm. Right. But I also do feel at the time, the, the, the crazy part about it is that, you know, if you're doing well, they will, <laughs> they oh, will yeah. put you on the forefront, but they may not necessarily put you on that flyer. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Or that like, sure. graphic image of you like at work or something like that. So it, it's interesting, you know, but I, I've, I've definitely, you know, and a lot of times it's like, oh, do it about a manual. And I'm like, oh. No, not every dark skin Latino. Right, yeah, exactly. You know, like, exactly. No, I, I, get, I get kind of irritated too because, at, to be honest, I give white people a pass because I expect them to be ignorant about this kind of stuff. But when yeah. I go, when I'm, you know, I used to live in Washington Heights and when I would go mm-hmm. to like a deli or like a Dominican restaurant, order food in Spanish, and people are looking at me shocked. I'm like, have you been to fucking Dominican Republic? Like, <laughs> <laughs> No, How is this a shock to you that my name is Rocio Mendez? Like, why are you yeah. shocked? That's when I, you know, I'm, I know that was very passionate right there, but, you know, we once in a while I still get infuriated. But yeah. then, like, you know, I always, you know, I meditate now, so I like, yeah. I let yeah. it slide. But in yeah, the like moment, sometimes no, I'm I like really upset about it. And, you know, you'll sit down at a restaurant up, uh, up here, like throughout my life, like you're going to a bodega of all Dominican men. And you're like, you know, and they'll respond to you in English. And it's like, yo, but like, yeah. I always like to say, like, all the baseball players that you fucking love look yeah. like me. How the fuck can you not identify me as Dominican? But every baseball player that you root for looks like me or yeah. is darker than me. Yes. So I just, I just don't get it. And then it, the other frustrating thing is like, you go to a restaurant to your point. Um, in your experiences, you speak Spanish, they speak English, you yes. speak Spanish, they speak English, you keep speaking Spanish, <laughs> they speak English. And it's like, like, what's the issue here? Like, yeah. do you not believe I speak Spanish? Exactly. Or are you trying to learn English? Right? You could all learn English, you know, because I don't know English, then that's different, right? Like, okay, cool. But that's not what it is. No. They just don't believe that you could be this. And then it goes, ah, what are the Yeah, yeah. That, you know that one. I've been on there, you know, and like for the most part, you know, that's like the most you'll get. But like growing up, shit, you, I used to have to go through tests, like verbal, verbal exams, like, yeah. like prove it. Yeah. And it's like, exactly. no, like, and, and the worst part about it is that sometimes in the need to be accepted and I ain't going front, I would try to prove it. Yeah. Yes. You know? Because you're, you're in a position where you're like, damn, like I'm Dominican. I know my mom's Dominican. I know my dad's Dominican. I know everyone's Dominican. But I need to prove it to you. And it feels like when you when you run through those, you know, exercises when you're a teenager and you're you're dying to sort of be accepted by a community that you're 100 percent a part of, you know, you almost I don't, I don't really think it's lowering yourself, but it's some some form of that to just kind of feel accepted. And I think it's normal. You know, I don't I don't I don't look at it like in a bad way. I just wouldn't do it anymore. You know, 
Yeah. And I, I would find myself like really pushing my Dominican accent, you know, like if I'm yeah. speaking, like I'll make sure I'll get my Y's in, you know, my R's <laughs> because I'm like, yo, yeah, it's my native language. Like, yeah. come on, son. Like, come on. You, you're not hearing what I'm saying. We head to the closeout questions. I just want to redirect one more time because we only got to touch on it a little bit. Um, yeah, and sure. it's back to like, how you said you finally have found a way to love yourself or how you officially love yourself and how long it took. And I have to admit the same thing for me. It was probably not until my thirties that I was like, no, I'm the bomb. And like, no one can Mm -hmm. take that away from me. So I'm just like, I've just, you know, because you want to come from a place of love and joy, just want to touch on that just a little bit more to maybe give more advice to like the black Dominicans or Latinos out there who just are still struggling to find that love. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, it's a great question. I mean, for me, it really came down to like really looking at the actions that I was taking on a daily basis, um, whether it was dating, whether it was just how I was treating myself, you know, whether I was dressing up because I wanted to dress up or because I wanted to feel like I fit in. And I really kind of started to examine all my behavior, right? Like from who I dated to what I wore to how I spoke. Um, and really said like, yo, like, you know, I've really led a life of, you know, trying to live for others and kind of fit in for others, right? Or do what's socially acceptable to this random family member who at the end of the day, who, who, why do I have to impress him or her? And I think a, a lot of it comes down to therapy, right? And, you know, everyone can't necessarily afford to go to therapy, mm-hmm. but I think really just kind of like sitting down and really listening to yourself and looking at like every action that you take. The reality is this, it really comes down to being brutally, brutally honest with yourself. Yeah. Right. And being able to say to yourself like, yo, like, you know, um, I only date a certain types of women. You know, there's a lot of people that will, that will tell you otherwise, like just in terms of like, trying to protect themselves from like any sort of like public, whatever. But like, I only date a certain types of women. I thought I was, I thought I was the best version of being a black person because I was Dominican or my name is Claudio. So I'm told I'm better than someone who's Malik or right. grow, grows up here. Right. And I think it's really kind of like sitting down with yourself and like writing down like, yo, this is all the shit that I think that I'm. I've come to a place of believing because of, you know, you know, what's happened to me throughout life. Like, you know, you get called Morenito Fino enough and you're like, you know what? Like, I don't like that. But then you try to live up to that. Right. It's the weirdest thing. You know what I'm saying? And it's really understanding how words and how actions and things of that nature really start um, affecting you. And I think at the same time, really, it's literature, right? It's really kind of reading yeah. up on the history of our country um, and reading up, reading up on the Blackness, not just the Dominican Republic, but the Blackness of a lot of these Spanish-speaking countries. Mm-hmm. Because you don't necessarily have to be Black. To, you don't have to be our complexion to be Black, right? You can, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of people that that, that lean light-skinned but have a, a, a nose as wide as mine. Right. You know what I mean? And I'm like, yeah, I don't think you're white. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? like, you can be Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're white, you know what I mean? So it's really just coming to a place of acceptance. You know, I wish I had a perfect answer. Yeah. Um, but course. really the, the the change for me was therapy. Mm. It really was. That's the place that really got me to a place of really kind of self-examining everything that I was doing. And I give my parents a lot of credit too, because my parents have never been um, 
the type of people to be like racist or discriminatory or saying anything negative about anything regarding blackness. Mm. Um, they've also they've always been like very uplifting about it, even during the times where I was like, eh, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And that's it, you know. But uh, but it's really doing the work. I yeah. know that's sounds easy, but it's doing the work. Did you purposely look for a person of color as a therapist? Because I remember. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I remember going to this therapist and I had to spend pretty much most of my session talking about my hair for her to even understand mm-hmm. what I was talking about, <laughs> you know, and I was like, I, I can't I can't do this right now. You know, um, yeah. did you f- purposely look for one? Because purposely. I've had both. Oh, you've had both. OK. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember I went to um, the first therapist I went to. I went to a couple's therapist. This was like five years ago um, in my last relationship. And she was a white woman. She was cool. Don't get me wrong, but it was like couples therapy and it was just like, yeah. it wasn't something for me. It was something for us at that point. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, then when I got out of that relationship, I started like the quest to find a therapist. And I started off, um, I started off with a black woman like born here. Okay. Um, and she, she was amazing. Great, great, great. She got like sick recently. So I had to switch and I have a black Dominican woman as my therapist. What? Um, and she's, she's awesome. Um, and she's a little younger, so so it's sort of like I could relate to her a little better. Okay. Um, and yeah, I, I purposely sought out women, okay. um, just because um, I, I grew up in a family that's like predominantly women, and I and I kind of just feel more comfortable um, in that space, I would say. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted a person of color because um, there's no one that could really understand the like idiosyncrasies and all the like little details of being a person of color, whether you're a man or a woman, um, like a person of color can, you know? Exactly. Awesome. Since you got time. um, (laughs) I like how honest you were in your writing when you were saying that you date, you called yourself out and you're like, yeah, I date light-skinned women. And, um, (laughs) you know, I had to check myself and really self-reflect on that. Um, A lot of people... In, in, In what way? Because, you know, like that's color colorism, right? Like we grew up thinking we grew up. I remember in DR, I would go to DR. There would be some um, Mormons, right? Mm -hmm. Coming into the into the block in the neighborhood. Trying to to, like, yeah. And I had cousins and they were like, mira, mira ese ese pollo ahí, mira ese pollo ahí. (laughs) And I'm like, what pollo? What are you talking about? Like they were like trying to tell me, like, doesn't that white guy look so hot? Don't you like that? Don't you want that? And I was like, what are they? Like, I'm looking ew, at Edwin, no. who is the, the neighbor's grandson, yes. who's chocolate, you know, doing pull-ups. And yeah. you're blocking my view. So um, These Mormons are blocking my view. You know what I mean? And I just remember that, you know, that conversation of my cousins trying to tell me, Nita, oh, yeah, yeah. what about that, that, that Mormon dude? You know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's mm-hmm. not what I'm looking at right now. So the honesty in your writing about the type of women that you choose, because, you know, growing up, you, you know, as an adult, you start thinking about the people that you date. You know, am I dating yeah. this person because of what I was taught or is this, you know, this is really what I'm attracted to? Or obviously, yeah. as you evolve, it's a person, it's a human being. You date yeah. who you want. But having that, that conversation and that journey that we have to go through as Dominicans sometimes. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, um, you know, a lot of a lot of what I dated was due to was due to the belief that it would like give me social status or 
put me in a space that was and not social status like I was going to balls or anything like yeah. that because I was like 14 <laughs> yeah. 16 18 at that point right I'm 36 now mm-hmm. and um but I just knew that like I knew enough at that point that I was like all right like if I get this girl like it changes me right like the image of me right and that was that was the real right like it was like I need someone that's that, that that's that complexion because it's going to raise my self-esteem. So basically my cup was half full. Mm. My cup wasn't at a hundred, right? Yeah. My cup was at, a, my cup was at 50 and I needed that light skinned girl to get me to the, to the right. hundred. Right. So I was empty on my own in a sense. Um, and I think you also hear things going up, you know, from like cousins or aunts, like, oh, you know, bring someone that's like, yeah. bring someone that's this color. Or and sometimes I never, honestly, I never heard bring someone this color. What I did here is bring someone with this hair yeah. or, you know, long hair, curly hair. So it was never oh. like coded in a way. It right. was never like direct in a way where it was like, oh, bring someone who's white, right? Or lighter. Um, it was that way. And I, I just wasn't, I wasn't dumb. Like I knew what they were trying to say, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, man, like, I, I remember I used to deny it. Like, I remember there was, there's friends that have called me out on that shit, like, 10 years ago, seven years ago, that would tell me, like, you know, nigga, you only date light-skinned women. I'm like, no, it's just that all, all my girlfriends have been light-skinned women. And I'm like, but that's a lie, you know what yeah. I mean, in terms of just, like, how I was portraying that to them. Yeah, and doing the work, because, I mean, what, you can be with a dark-skinned person, but if you haven't done the work, guess what? The relationship is going to be crap. You know, absolutely. It's going to show. And then at the same time, you know, what's the most important thing is that you have to find, I think what's, what's helped me a lot at the same time is that, you know, when you do date someone that's not your complexion, you really got to figure out how pro black they are or not. You know? <laughs> right. and, 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 you know, if you, you're going to date someone that's light, light, light or whatever, or, you know, Indian colored, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. You know, you have to be like, look, man, there are going to be situations that I may be in that you won't have to step up, mm-hmm. you know. And I had a situation in Mexico where it wasn't even a racist situation. Like, it was the least racist situation. I don't even think it was 1% racist. Mm-hmm. And she went, like, crazy on someone. Oh, wow. And I was like, I, was, I mean, I've been dating her for a year and a half. I love the girl, you know what yeah. I'm saying? So it's not like I never, yeah. I, I never doubted anything. But she got, like real crazy on a person and i was like okay pro-black girl like i see you yeah like, defending the race defending the race right here so i was like it was an important moment even though i already knew she was about that life like it was an important moment for me to see her even if i didn't think it was a racist situation kind of have that energy absolutely because you could potentially have kids with someone one day and they're gonna you're gonna need that energy you know? absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. I'm, I'm i'm very proud to say that I have a partner who's white and well, yeah. he's, he's half Jewish at least, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, but, yeah. but I'm, I'm very happy to say that, um, he defends me heart, just like your situation awesome. harder yeah. than I do sometimes. And I'm so happy because as black people, as a black person, you know, that, that hesitation moment. And I think it's because I was so on the defensive or, on, excuse me, on the offenses or trying to laugh things off back in the day when racist yeah. or microaggression things would happen to me because I just couldn't, I didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah. And I'm so glad Brent, my partner's with me sometimes because mm-hmm. he just comes in. Like he like is the person who jumps at it. Shout out to Brent. Man. Yeah. And shout out like, to Brent. And I'm so happy because I do That's sometimes awesome. have like deer in the headlights. I just don't know how to react. You know? I'm, I'm the same way. Like, I think there's, 
you know, sometimes you get beat up so much about racism that you know when it's happening that you're right. like, it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it's <laughs> like, it sucks that you get to that point of yeah. defeat. Right. Yeah. But I think at the same time, like, you know, we get tired of fucking fighting. So when you have a partner that you wouldn't, you know, you stereotypically, even if they love you to death, you you still may stereotype them and be like, oh, he ain't gonna step up or she ain't gonna step up, right? But when they do step up, you're sort of like, oh shit, okay, like, it feels good because you feel like you have someone that understands, even if they may not walk in your shoes, they understand that something may have been unjust in a sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I went through the other phase where, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I used to think, okay, if I date somebody that's super dark-skinned, that means that they have knowledge of self or we're going to have a super conscious relationship, <laughs> you know, and it's going to be black power all day, every day. That's yeah. not the case either. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, it's true. you have to do the work on an individual basis, no matter what you look like, you know? Yeah. I like saying a lot of times, man, like when, when I talk to Dominicans and I talk to Colombians before who are like my complexion or darker, there's some that, I'm like, you really don't think you're black? <laughs> yeah. Like, they really you don't. You really do not think so. Yeah. On any level. On any level. And, like, I'm like, shit, like, I could tell you off off rip, like, a, a Dominican who may be lighter or whatever, who I'm like, oh, I know this, this dude or this chick is a little racist, right? Mm-hmm. Or whatever amount of racist you want to say, right? Because it's just racist. Um, but the th- sometimes I'd be telling people, look, man, we'd be worried about the light skinned ones, but the ones that the ones that, that are really gonna push love and blackness forward are the ones that look like us. And some of them don't even believe they they like <laughs> right. black. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, we cannot forget to talk about your book. Oh like, my god, yeah, oh, we have to talk please. about your book. Yeah, Tell yeah. I'm gonna release it next year. Plug. So, Hashtag plug. <laughs> yeah, I mean I've been going back and forth. Like my book originally was called Duero Dominicano, Dominicana, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Which is basically kind of like incredulously asking, like, oh, Duero Dominicana, you yeah. know? Um, and kind of that question that we kind of always get from people when they don't yes. think we are. Um and it's really just a book kind of like going through like a lot of the situations that I've been through in my life in general and really talking about them and um, you know, just making it like relatable stories, like real stories, but you know, things that people can relate to, whether they're men or women about, um, you know, dating about like, you know, what people may call them, you know, how they may project their own biases, um, pretty much anything and everything. And, you know, I'm still working on it. I'm probably like 70 to 80% done. I've had a lot of periods of just like stagnation and like writer's block and being lazy and anything else you can imagine. Like we all do. Um, but, you know, um, you know, next year I'm looking to, to release it. Um, I'm trying to get it sold. You know, I'm trying to get like someone to pick it up for sure because I think it's worth it. Um, and I think at some point I was like, you know, I could do this myself. And I was like, well, why don't I just try striking out and seeing if I can sell it to someone, right? Like it can't hurt and it doesn't sell and it doesn't sell, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's what the book is going to be about. Like I'm really... I really, really want to get it like translated, um, mm-hmm. you know, so it could really kind of like reach different audiences and I would love, you know, and I'm, I'm not necessarily there yet, but I would love for it to kind of like be in like, you know, neighborhoods where people are of like, you know, African descent in a mm. lot of these countries and mm-hmm. they're able to kind of read it in their own language. Um, Cause I think for me, the goal is it's not really about fame. It's not really about money. It's just really about telling the story and, and seeing how far the story can go. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, you know, getting a parent or getting even a kid that's young enough to really kind of, you know, view how they kind of talk about blackness, view their own blackness, think about blackness growing up. 
Um, because the important part is kind of like getting these kids to kind of love their blackness early. Yes, late, right? exactly. You know, and I think, you know, Rocio, you know, you had the conversation about, you know, starting to love yourself late and me loving myself late. Yeah. And, you know, would we, would we change the paths in any way? Probably not. But I don't think if we had a second life, we would want to love ourselves at 32. Yeah, I'm right. Like 30. I don't know. I'm pretty sure. I wish I would have loved myself at, you know, seven. Yeah. <laughs> they were busy coming your hair. Know it would have changed. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not your trajectory in life, but like just how you feel about yourself. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think about, all the, you know, because I'm an actor and I'm a fight, okay. a fight director and stuff. And I just think about like, I just started finally having like good auditions because I finally like love and have confidence in myself. But like for, mm-hmm. you know, 10, 12 years, I was just always devastated. And it was always like, my hair is this. Yeah. I didn't have enough makeup on. You know, I look fat. Do it. My skin too. Oh, my headshots look too, you know, it looks lighter than, than I should have done it. You know, like all this stuff and like i finally threw that away mm-hmm. and I, awesome. I i do feel like if i grew up like love your hair love your skin and not like handed mm-hmm. bleaching cream and relaxers you know mm-hmm. starting at like literally seven years old yeah yeah i think yes of course i might have had you know i'm also a woman so there's that intersectionality but i think that like a lot of those insecurities and my confidence would have started a lot earlier as yeah and like we all do it like I have a niece and nephew and I'm obsessed with them and all I do is tell them how beautiful they are, how amazing they are and like I'll get like I'm that auntie. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're getting a dark skin doll for Christmas. Exactly. They're yes. getting, mm-hmm. you know, um people colors, these dope this dope company that has crayons on different shades of color so that they mm-hmm. can color and not have to color people, you know, um yellow. You know, um, they have different yeah. browns. Yeah. And I'm like, you guys, look how cool this is. And, and my, my niece was like, I want purple. I'm like, purple's not on here. There's brown. There's light skin. There's, you know, beige. There's, there's brown, dark. There's, there's black. There's another shade of black, you know. And she's like, I want purple. But I mean, little things like that that we can 100%. do as a community yeah. to help those coming up, you know. And 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 my sense is what you're saying. Like some of the, the question that you mentioned earlier about what we can do to change. It's like, you know, we can talk a lot about people our age. We can talk a lot about you know people that are older. But the work that you're doing, you know, with family members that are younger, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of instilling in them like, oh, you're beautiful. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. Yeah. You're beautiful like that. You know, kids listen and kids are sponges and kids are smart. They know everything that's going on. And you being able to kind of tell them that is the work. Like sometimes, you know, we don't, you know, what sucks is that sometimes we don't, because someone's close to us and we're doing the work with them, sometimes we don't think it counts, but it fucking counts. Yeah, it totally counts. counts. And like that little thing right there, that girl, that boy can grow up to like meet someone who's their exact same complexion who doesn't love themselves. And that may be the 10 year old that tells them like, Hey, you should love yourself, Yeah, yeah. you know, exactly. or the 12 year old. And that's going to be because of you, their parents and whoever else is in their life. So, you know, it's work that's important that, you know, goes um, unnoticed and maybe sometimes doesn't get, you know, the rewards or the trophies, but it should, because it's, yeah. it's, it's preventing a lot of what, you know, a lot of us do go through, you know? Yeah. 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 And it's just going to make the world better in general. Not only are they going to love themselves and be more confident, they're probably just going to be better to everyone around them also. So it's just mm-hmm. an all around win win. But wait, opinion. before we get to the last question, I need to know <laughs> what do you do about writer's block? Because that shit is yeah, real. Yeah, it is. Writer's block? I mean, for me, 
um, I, I've just gotten really to a place where um, I don't want to force it anymore. Like to keep it real, like I remember, I think I posted something. I think it was a Latinx one. The Latinx one was the one that got like really, really shared. Yeah. And I remember telling my girlfriend, like, damn, like I've been posting whenever the hell I want to post. And now I think I have pressure to like post more. Oh. And I got out of that line of thinking really quickly. I said to myself, you know what? Like, I'm not doing this for followers. I'm not doing this for anything else. Like, when I feel like writing, I'll write. If it takes two months for my next piece, it takes two months, right? Mm -hmm. But every time, like, I've written something, Mm -hmm. it's always felt, like, good. Like, and not, like, in terms of, like, how it reads, but just in terms of how, like, I feel about writing it, you know? Yeah. So I really feel like with writer's block, like, there's a lot of people that are going to be like, oh, just fucking push through it. Like, you know? be a warrior and all this other crap like and I'm like nah like for me personally I feel like when you start forcing it through it's just not gonna come out the way it should like there's another great writer um named Lorraine Avila who's uh, on Instagram and she's excellent and you know she's someone I really really respect and um excellent excellent writer and she told me I remember sitting down and she was like I don't write unless I feel like writing you know and if and if they don't come, it don't come. That don't mean that you're going to go eight months without writing something, right? right? But, you'll, you know, when, when, when you feel the urge, you'll, you'll do it. But I think also not putting pressure on yourself, right? Like sometimes yeah. it's like, you know, you're like, I'm going to write 12 pages today. And it's like, start with one and a half. You right, know? right. And, and just kind of build from there, right? So like really kind of knowing yourself and knowing like, I ain't going to write no fucking 12 pages. Yeah. But I may write one. Yeah. Right? And if you can get to one, then you can kind of build up from there, you know? Yeah. 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 Like people be like, oh my God, do morning pages. And I try that morning pages. I'm not a morning person. You know what I mean? Like, I want my coffee. I'm not going to sit here <laughs> and like write all this shit. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like. That's not me. I'm not a morning person. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I appreciate that for sure. Yeah, I appreciate that too. Because especially during this pandemic, I felt like there was a lot of pressure on like, well, what are you 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 doing? What are you going to do? What are you doing? What are you you doing? What are you doing? And I was like, girl, I'm going to sit here and watch my Hulu. I'm trying to breathe. (laughs) I'm trying to breathe. Literally, right? People are dying and the news is flying. I need to watch a comedy right now. Like, calm yourself down. You want me to change the world through all this shit? Yeah. (laughs) Everyone's like, there's no no excuses. Now's the time. You have time. And I'm like, I'm trying to breathe, keep my family healthy, you know? Yeah, Yeah, it's always like the people sharing that are always the ones like eating Doritos in their basement. (laughs) Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I already know you ain't doing nothing. So don't try, try to get me to do something. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I just like sometimes you just need to like chill. Like you can't force any, and I don't think any brilliance comes from forcing it out. It always comes out naturally. That's well said. You know, it always is like some natural inner light that comes out of you. Yeah, and like you said, when you write from a sense of not having any pressure and just letting your instrument just chill and just do its thing, it's healing as well for me writing is really healing for me you know yeah, and one thing that i'll say that someone told me i was i never thought about it this way and it was so brilliant it was like yo you think people are waiting no one's fucking waiting right <laughs> and if you decide to write something because you think people are waiting you're going to write something that you're going to regret mm. you know what i mean so it's like right for you yeah when you're ready when you're done when it's finished you'll know it's finished and you'll know you'll be happy with it but if you're writing because you think there's 60 people waiting for this piece or yeah. this book then you just you're doing it for them you're not doing it for yourself so however long it takes you is however long it takes you like 
but it'll happen. But it has to happen on your time, not on anyone else's. Facts. Yeah. What are your favorite three things about Dominican culture? Uh, favorite th- three things about Dominican culture. I think number one is very family oriented. Yes. And I'm a super family oriented person. Like I think Dominican people, like, you know, when they get with family, it's just like so much fun. Um, it's so much fun, but most importantly, it's so much love. Right. And I think with, um, with Dominican families, when, you know, it's like, it's, it's not like other like cultures, like where they're like, Oh, we're going to go see family. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to go there. You know, it's totally different. Like it's something that you look forward to, whether it's on a holiday, whether it's a barbecue, whether it's just like Mm -hmm. some random birthday party. And I think, um, and I think that's probably the main pillar for me. Um, Outside of that, I think Dominicans are just fucking creative as hell. Like, I think Dominicans are so creative and they're so creative in a very, like, I don't give a fuck way, like, unabashed way. Like, this is how we operate. This is how we move. This is what we do. Like, if we gonna smoke hookah on the sidewalk at 7 a.m., right. we're going to smoke it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it, I don't give a fuck. You know right. I mean? like, and I think there's something about, you know, Though, like we mentioned earlier, being like so Dominican in certain respects can be like nationalistic and kind of can kind of veer into like, you know, like race and all that other stuff. But I think on a lot of levels, there's being Dominican is like such a level of proudness that whatever may be looked down upon from the outside. you A lot of people just don't give a fuck about like, oh, you don't like me smoking hookah at 7 a.m.? Cool. But I'm going to keep doing it. You know, you don't want me to listen to music at at midnight. Cool. But I'm going to keep doing it. You know, and it could drive us crazy sometimes. We could look at it like I never do that shit. But I think there's some sort of like there's some level of like beauty in the fact that um, and and sometimes I'm just like and and I think sometimes there's a level of envy and not in a bad way, but it's like, yo, you really own who the fuck you are. Yeah. And you don't give a fuck. And that shit is like cool. Right. Like, that's yeah. really, really cool. Like, you know, because sometimes we like try to put on a show and do all that other stuff. And it's, and, and you know, sometimes you just got to be yourself. And the third thing, so it was family, it was unabashedly being yourself. Um, number three, I would say it's, um, I'll say women. I'll say Dominican women mm, on okay. all fronts, right? Like, my girlfriend's Dominican. Um, I think Dominican women come in so many different shapes, sizes, textures, etc. But I, but I do feel like one of the things that really gets slept on is how entrepreneurial Dominican women are. You know, like a lot of times, you know, people think about Dominican culture in a very hierarchical way. Mm-hmm. But there's so many women that do so much, whether they're coming from the poorest neighborhoods to the richest neighborhoods, that are really out there, really kind of like blazing a trail for a lot of women that are younger than them and showing them that like you may not necessarily need a man like you think you do or a lot of times it's projected upon you um to think so um to really survive in this world so while there's still a lot of like aspects of the culture that are very like hierarchical and very like oh a man does this and a woman does that i think there's a lot of dominican women that don't get the get the credit they deserve, whether you own a salon, salon whether you sell patelitos on the street, yeah. whether you design clothes, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a doctor, 
Like there's so many examples of it. And I think sometimes we really under promote it or sometimes they even under promote themselves just because they may not necessarily be fully comfortable in the space that they're in. So I really think it's incumbent on us as a people to really bring a lot more Dominican women to the forefront. Because when you think about our culture, a lot of times the way they portray them is not necessarily the best. And additionally, a lot of the times the way they, um, the people that they put at the forefront are a lot of men, um, whether it's sports or whether it's entertainment, and it's not necessarily the women. Mm. And there's so many Dominican women that are doing great work that I think need to be brought to the forefront and can be examples for like you know future generations to kind of see like, hey, I can do that or I can do that. Like I'm not necessarily just what the TV is kind of projecting me to be. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So how do you um, amplify the Afro in Afro-Dominican? Um, me personally? Yes. Um, number one, um, I think by having conversations, right, like online and stuff like that, like I do a lot of panels, um, obviously on your podcast, which, you know, has been great. Um, and really just kind of having those conversations, you know, like I'm, I'm very like unapologetically black and it's a, you know, getting to a place of loving myself to kind of get there, you know, because I wouldn't have been this person in 2015 or 10 or five, right? So I think really kind of bringing the blackness to the forefront. I'm in a lot of spaces where, I, where I'm around a lot of Spanish speakers who look nothing like me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They look like Spaniards from Spain, but they're not yeah. from there, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, it's kind of really talking about race and talking about like the lack of diversity in those spaces, because that's an important thing, even if it makes them uncomfortable, right? Because yeah. I think... When you're when you're comfortable and talking about these things, it's because you're comfortable with yourself, mm. right? Not necessarily comfortable like, oh, my job is secure. Or this is secure. It's more like, look, man, like this is an issue that's real, you know. And you know, I can't just necessarily push for diversity on my job if I'm if I'm a person that's a public facing figure outside and in spaces that are also very white, you know. Right. So I have to make sure that I'm out there, you know, doing that. And then at the same time, just checking people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, I I check friends on shit. I check, you know, family members on shit. Like, and, you know, I check them in a very respectful manner because I think the only way to really get to a conversation is to respect, right? right? Even if they say something wild, I don't think the right way is to, like, shout someone down uh, because I just don't necessarily think it's the right approach. Um, so it's really just kind of like, you know, keeping it real and being like, yo, that's not cool. You know, that's not the right way to kind of talk about it. That's not the right way to go about it. And people could call you sensitive. People can call you that, but they ain't going to do this shit again. Right. Yeah. You know, so as long as they don't bring that up again, if they want to be racist on their time, do it on your time. Don't right. do it on my time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, Absolutely. Because I can't, I can't control your behavior 24-7, but I can try to control your behavior in front of me at least. Yeah. And hopefully other people who look like you. And hopefully other people, right? Like, that's all you can hope for. You know? Yeah. Okay, cool. Totally. Thank you so oh much. Oh my god, this was so no, much fun. No, no Claudia. worries at all. Thank you. I know you Thank wanted you. you wanted to say something. Yeah. In addition. Oh no, I was just gonna say no. I mean, first and foremost, congratulations on the podcast. Oh my god, we're so hyped. And I appreciate, you know, being your guest. Um, you know, I think you guys are gonna do great and just continue really having like, you know, panelists that, you know, come from all walks of life and have really different conversations with you guys. You guys both have, you know, same experiences, different experiences, your own stories to tell, um, you know, and I hope one day that I can interview you guys. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, but, thank you know, you continue so success to you both. And, you know, I really appreciate it. And whenever you need anything from me, um, just feel free to, you know, feel free to ask. 
Thank you. We might be cousins because my mom's maiden name is Cabrera. Your mom's middle name? Cabrera. Is her maiden name. Oh, her maiden name is yeah, Cabrera. Yeah. Yeah. There's like eight so, you know, we probably related anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We could 100% be cousins. Every, right. time someone, every, every time someone reads the writing and they're like, no, I'm a Cabrera. And everyone, automatically, everyone's related. It's like the most funny thing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Could be. You never know. Yeah. But yeah, have to do some real ancestry DNA. I know. That's right? a whole other thing, the ancestry DNA for DR. Because, you know, my ancestry yeah. DNA for DR is asking my mom, Mira, y, y, y quién era la mamá, la abuela mía, cómo era que se llamaba. Y la mía, ay, yo no me recuerdo de eso. Ay, yo no sé. Yo no sé, esa gente tan muerto. And that's the end of the, the ancestry end of the DNA. The yeah. I think I got up to my yeah. great-grandmother. Yeah. <laughs> No, the last thing I'll say is so funny, too, because they'll be like, you know, they'll be like, yeah, like, you'll see like 60% black. And they'll be like, oh, see, and, you know, they'll be like, oh, see, yo tenía un, un, el, el abuelo mío, era un negro, pero era un negro tan fino. Ay, claro. O sea, like, it's fino. always like, yeah, he was, he, he was black, but let me, let, let me, like, find <laughs> me, a way yeah. to, like, make him, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was a great black man. Like, you don't have to, like, put all these sparkles around <laughs> Right, him, right, know, right. Like, of that course, it is. Well, we'll keep you posted when we um yeah, release the episode. Yeah, thanks no. again. This was such a fun conversation. I really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you so much. Okay, I appreciate it. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. So uh-huh. sorry. Can we? Can you just give a shout out on how people can reach you and your handles and stuff? Instagram, oh, yeah. Twitter, or anything. I mean, you can reach me on Instagram. My name is um, Claudio Cabrera. So mm-hmm. you just find me there, full name, pretty much. I'm on Twitter too. It's ce Cabrera underscore. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, those are really like the only two places to kind of reach me. Um, you know, that's pretty much it. Great. Well, we look forward to reading your book, Claudio. Appreciate yeah. that. Appreciate that. Thank <laughs> we'll you keep so you much. posted. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Thank you so much. Take care, guys. Have a good one, okay? Bye. Bye. Wow, that was so much fun. That Mercy. really was. Wow. I'm the, I just, it just felt like I was hanging out with my homeboys. Yeah. And my yeah. homegirls, like yeah. my homies. Yeah, and I love how honest he was, you know, and just broke things down like therapy is life-changing yeah it really is <laughs> and it's cool to speak to someone who is basically you know our age like similar upbringing and all that stuff like being from new york city yeah and like it's just really cool when you meet someone who's had those kind of similar of course we have our individual stories but I, it just makes me relax a little bit when i hear someone going through those similar experiences yeah like, it just makes you feel less alone and more like encourages me more even more to build community with other black and you know afro dominicans and latinos exactly and i love what he's doing with the writing you know and just you know how he said he's come from a place of you know he's let a lot of that stuff go and he's done the work and now he's able to write before we close out just so you guys know these articles we mentioned in today's podcast episode was calling out latinx racists and the other article, I think it's just called Sammy Sosa. And um, 
I believe they're both actually on his Instagram page, but you could also Google it. Yeah, and I think one of them is in, on the Dominican Writers website, the Latinx yes, one. It is, it is. All right, everybody, <laughs> remember to follow us. Follow us. Our Instagram is Rocio and Mercedes. Our Twitter is R and M Podcast, and our website is RocioMercedes.com. Yeah, and let us know what you thought about the episode. Holler at us. Yeah. And Send you, us a note on email. You know. Um, Instagram. Yup, yup. Twitter. Yup. Holla. Holla back. <laughs>